I want to add to Pastor Bob's appreciation of, of the Bible school teachers and, and say that what a gift it is to have Kristen Frederick pulling all of this together. So I just think that we're blessed in, in enormous ways. We're blessed to have you here today, too. There's not a pastor alive that doesn't realize on a holiday, Father's Day feels like a holiday, when it's raining and gray, that you might prefer to stay in bed. So thank you from your pastor's bottom of our hearts for being here and being a part of worship and, and remembering the Father who is Lord of us all. Our scripture lesson is found in Luke, I mean, excuse me, in John, chapter 16, verses 12 through 15. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you in all truth, for he will not speak on his own but will speak whatever he hears, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me because he will take what is mine and declare it to you. For this reason, all that the Father has is mine. For this reason, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Let's pray. Bless, O oh Lord, the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts. O oh Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Alan Langham has a new book out entitled Taming of a Villain, A Message of Hope. In it, he says, lost, broken, alone, and suicidal. I was the empty shell of a once-promising rugby player shuffling across an exercise yard in a London prison. I was a man of extreme violence. As a child, violence was all around him. Add to that that he was throbbing with anger and resentment toward an absentee father and as the result of several forms of abuse. He was one to deal with his pain in multiple ways, mostly through violence, but on Sundays he would venture to church by himself and there, although he felt at home fatherless and abused, in church, he felt safe and at peace. Something snapped in him the day he came downstairs at the age of 14 and discovered that his mother had died on the couch from a brain aneurysm. The next 20 years would be marked by his decline into destruction. 
At 16, he left home. He was angry and lost, and he started drinking and gambling and fighting, living kind of a gangster life, hoping to fit within that group. At 17, he signed a professional rugby contract with the Sheffield Eagles. Now, it was a professional team, and it wasn't long before he had more money than he had since. And that started a decline into drugs and the criminal underworld. It was a hostile time, physically, mentally, and emotionally, where only the fittest survived, and he would experience in those 20 years seven different imprisonments. It was while awaiting for a trial in kidnapping and hostage-taking that he hit bottom and decided to take his own life. Tears streaming down his face, he dropped to his knees and made one final plea to God. If you're real and you hear me, put a white dove outside my prison window. Show me you're with me. The next morning when a flock of pigeons lifted off the nearby ledge outside of his window, wouldn't you know, there was the dove. At that moment, everything shifted within him. And he would begin what he called a long, difficult, refining process by God. Quote, bit by bit, it polished me into a trophy of God's grace. The dove, a coincidence? Some might say so. But today we're here to declare that the Holy Spirit has things to say. There's a message to be shared for any and all who would listen. Once again, our scripture is contained within Jesus' farewell discourse in which passionately he tries to communicate that he must leave his disciples, but he's not going to leave them without support and assistance. Now understand, they are so lost at this point and so filled with grief that they can't even ask questions. So deep are they struggling that Jesus says, and you can't even bear what I got more to tell you. He does, however, reassure them the promise that the Holy Spirit will come after he has departed to the Father and he will not leave them alone. In fact, He's really got to leave. 
He must leave, and it's to their advantage that he leave because that's the only way the advocate, the Holy Spirit, the counselor can come, and you can trust him. The Holy Spirit's going to move them forward in their understanding of Jesus' death and resurrection and new life. As the Holy Spirit journeys with them and they go out into the world, it's going to become clearer. And he reassures them that even though they can't put all of this puzzle together, no worries. They aren't and won't ever be alone. Because the Holy Spirit has the ability to witness to us of God's love, has been sent to us purposefully, we can trust that God is still present in our time and place. The Spirit as our counselor, our guide, is here because the Spirit still has things to say. Now, I know a number of us still struggle with what the Holy Spirit is. The average person can get along pretty well with grasping God as creator, the things of the earth all made by God, claiming the people of Israel and moving them through an exodus, becoming God's people, and then that not quite being enough, so Jesus must reveal God through the coming into this world. We got Jesus down. Lots of stories, lots of relationships. We can relate better to Jesus. But the Holy Spirit, not so much. Most of us live at a pace where we can, at best, slow down enough to imagine that the Holy Spirit might show up. At worst, we live so fast that we wonder if the Holy Spirit would show up to someone as ordinary as me. Even Jesus' introduction to the disciples about the Spirit leaves them wondering and pulling back. What does he mean? More to say, too hard to bear right now. There's not a one of us that hasn't had some nasty surprise in life show up one or more times. When a doctor comes into the room wearing that expression that says the diagnosis isn't going to be good, or the car that suddenly swerves in front of us on the freeway and changes life forever, We have experienced in our bones those things that we cannot bear. But that's when the scripture goes on to say, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into truth. Sorian Kierkegaard, the Danish philosopher and theologian of the early 1800s, puts it this way. The truth is a snare. You cannot have it without being caught. You cannot have the truth in such a way as to catch it, 
but only in such a way that it catches you. Thomas Aquinas said it another way. Every truth without exception and whoever may utter it is from the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, my friends, the truth, the promise willing to catch us in real life, in real time, in real ways. This is the stuff we proclaim today, that it is real and it still has something to say to you and me in this moment. Now we may say with the 11 that we don't understand how that's going to happen. In fact, this is only the fourth time that Jesus in this discourse has tried to explain it to those who were right there. It'll take time for the disciples to grasp the love of God as Jesus lived it. Time for them to assimilate the power of his death and resurrection and that how that's going to break open the world. But hear this good news. God's sending of the spirit of truth is not dependent on you and I understanding it. In fact, to demand or need clarity or understanding is to miss the very journey in which that understanding will evolve and take place. The Spirit must lead. This is exactly what they needed to remember and what we need to remember in our tough times. Times of sadness, times of confusion, we can trust the Spirit. The future is only truly open if we can be open to what the Spirit will teach us along the way. It requires openness, listening, watching, trusting God will continue to reveal God's self at the right transformative time. Don't know if you saw it in the news this week, but there were four boys in a little town in Oklahoma who have been recognized for their bravery. Their ages were between 14 and 17, and they rushed into a 90-year-old home as it was burning to get her out. Catherine Ritchie was getting ready to go to bed when she turned around and realized her bed was on fire. She tried to put it out with pillows and blankets, but of course the, the smoke got too big too fast, and she got disoriented, and she went into a closet instead of out of her door. She's pushing that button, trying to get help, about to be overcome by smoke, when there just happened to be four boys standing across the street who go... They look, they see the smoke, don't know if she's home. All four of them rush over. One bashes in the glass in the front door. One goes to the back door and kicks it in. One goes to the next door and neighbor to get an ax and help. And another dials 911. The youngest was able to find her and scoop her up and carry her out. Not an adult in sight. 
four kids, one little 90-year-old woman. Three of those boys had never met her. Coincidence? Maybe. But something told those boys to move. It might have been tempting for John, whose theology gave central importance to the incarnation of God or the presence of God in Jesus. And when Jesus was no longer in fresh in the flesh with us, he could have devalued the message that God would have us hear right now. Instead, John places such firm confidence in the Holy Spirit as the continuing, ongoing presence and revelation of Jesus that he goes for us to learn and to practice in the midst of a changing world that must be marked by our presence in spite of Jesus' physical absence. The Spirit will declare to us the things that are to come. That's found in verse 13. In other words, the Spirit makes possible an understanding of Jesus' love and continued activity in our lives and will nudge and reveal as time moves on. Did you see on the news Maury Ballinger? She's six years old in Dayton, Maine. She was diagnosed at her birth with a disorder so rare it doesn't even have a name. One of the multiple disabilities that comes with that illness is a lack of hearing. She uh, has moderate to severe loss of hearing. And so when it's time for her to go to kindergarten, the parents are aware they must ask for a form of accommodation. Any of you who have ever had special needs children, when there are a lot of children to be cared for, that that accommodation can work, it can be a struggle, it cannot happen. So they went prepared to do the best and to ask for the best that they could when they encountered the principal who said, oh my gosh, happy to do it. And not only did the teacher learn how to do sign language on her behalf, but they put sign language uh, learning sheets all over the halls. Because this child has got to go to the library, and she's got to go to gym, and she's got to go to all of the places in the school. And then the children started picking up on sign language, creating a community for her. The principal said, you know, it wasn't just the right thing to do. Nobody at the school would deny the impact that this child has had on their lives. She's brought something to the community as a child with learning disabilities that is a sign of God's presence and community and love. And this child has no clue she's acting in the kingdom. Coincidence? 
that this school meets the needs of this child in such a remarkable way? Maybe. But I'm telling you, the Spirit has plenty to say if we're open. So the question is left, will you and I listen to the Spirit and be open to new and emerging understandings of our faith and to the implications of Jesus' revelation to us today? Will we trust Will we listen to the still, small voice? Will we follow the lead of the Spirit that is designed to move us forward? Can we bear it? On Tuesday, no, tomorrow. Tomorrow's the 17th, right? Tomorrow, Emmanuel, a new documentary, hits the streets. June 17, 2015 is when Dylan Roof, the 21-year-old white supremacist, entered the Charleston Emanuel African Methodist Episcopal Church and killed nine people. One member in the documentary said, if you really want to hurt someone or something, then you go to the place that means something to them and matters. The documentary unpacks Ruth's mindset and his motives, and it does it through the account of the survivors and the relatives. It takes us into that very dark day. What's interesting is that the director says, Emmanuel ultimately isn't the story of a national tragedy. It's about what happened next. At the bond hearing, 48 hours later, a shackled, orange-suited, dry-eyed Dylan Roof officially faced the court and the public and the people he had hurt so enormously. The first victim to speak was Nadine Collier, who had lost her mother. You'd expect her to be angry and hurt, and of course she was. But she wanted to show Ruth something else. When it was her turn to speak, she got up and said, I forgive you. You took something precious from me. I'll never hold her again or see her again. But I forgive you and have mercy on your soul. Others stood up too. People who had lost their aunts and uncles, their sons, their wives. And instead of cursing a killer, they offered forgiveness, mercy. And the only thing Ruth could even hope or dream for, which was a taste of hope. Mass shootings have become so commonplace today, but this response, this one, was unique. She said, a lot of people were, were angry with me when I said it, but I said it and I meant it from the bottom of my heart. 
in an era where folks are growing more divided and seemingly more shrill. This challenging documentary suggests that the way forward must be through a gentler, clearer path that Jesus himself had showed. This is what the pastor said. I don't know of any other religious belief system besides Christianity where an innocent man hangs on a cross suffers immeasurable pain, torment, and torture, and he looks out over his accusers and he prays the prayer, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. The Spirit has plenty to say. Sometimes in a context too much to bear, but is still speaking to you and to me into our ordinary lives in the most significant ways. The promise that we are not ever alone and with the assurance that bit by bit we are being polished to be a trophy of God's grace for one another. The Spirit is among us, in you, with you, and me. Will we listen and will we follow? Thanks be to God for the message, the witness, and the opportunity. Amen.